0: Thank you all. That was wonderful. Just wonderful. Um, Had a special moment last Sunday following the service. After the 830 service, a young child came up to me and handed me $20. And I thought, well, this is, you know, that's a big deal for a young kid. I was assuming, you know, at the end of Pastor Appreciation Month, you know, and maybe he was just, you know, wanting to bless me. But I'll confess to you. Even being a coach's son, I got a little emotional there. And I just said, well, thank you very much. And, and then he said something that was interesting. He said, and I hope you're doing okay. When I thought, well, what do you mean am I doing okay? And then he said, is 20 enough? I said, this is wonderful. What are you talking about? He said, well, after you finished your sermon last week, my father leaned over to our family and said, that's the poorest preacher I'd ever heard. So, anyway, hope that was a joke. I hope nobody was agreeing there. All right, that's a lie. That didn't happen. Um, and I lied to you last week as well. Um, we said we were through with that sermon. I'd never preached this series before. And in, in writing this series, I will confess to you, I've been avoiding a topic that's right here at the very beginning of Acts. And, I, and, I've, and, I, and it goes with what we have said over these weeks together. What did the early church, what's the old normal? What is it that the early church did continually? What do we see them doing all the time? Because that's to be the pattern for us. Whatever is their life, I want that life. God wants us to have this life. Here's the pattern of the early church. And so I skipped over at the very beginning of our, our scripture reading today, at the very beginning What did they do continually? What did they do here in the good times, but also what they did in the good times prepped them for where we've been for most of the book of Acts, that they are scattered and they are persecuted. What got them through? And being in in an anxious time where we are now, being in a a difficult season, what gets us through? It's, It's those everyday things. That's how God typically works. He does extraordinary things in the ordinary things of life. Prayer, right? Fellowship, the way he just speaks into our life and and encourages us through it. When you and I just say, we're just going to serve, yes, through the church. I hope you've signed that form and and said how you're going to serve with us. But really, it's just... How you serve your family, how you serve your neighbor, how you serve it where God does extraordinary things. Well, he gives us another ordinary thing here, a pattern for us. One practice that I will admit to you is not heartwarming. It's kind of dry, and so I was thinking about avoiding it. I'd rather talk about the big stuff, about how our church, even this week, our outreach team, has made plans for this year's budget Uh, that we're going to be in a covenant relationship with a ministry in Brazil. We started a, a connection with them last year. This is a ministry, if you know anything about Brazil, when the Olympics come to Brazil, the world gets excited. People of Brazil don't get excited because that's when they literally clean the streets. They clean the streets of children. But the Methodist church says we're not going to allow for that. And so there's a Methodist ministry called Shade and Freshwater Project that ministers to the street kids of Brazil, trying to reach them for Christ, but also trying to give them a life. And, and so we started a connection with them, but we're presenting a budget in a few weeks to our finance committee that says we want to be a covenant partner with the head of Shade and Freshwater and to be a part of that ministry in a more tangible and, and, and more committed way. Even hearing this week of somebody talking about when can we go to Delta Grace, that our church, we're, we're chomping at the bit to go back to the Delta. To hear last week, I think we had like 100 people here for student ministry. We finally were able to get back on our campus. I love talking about those things. Here is something that, and it may not even be for you, this dry subject, but, but I, I know it's for somebody you love, for a family member, a friend, a friend. A co worker. This is an ordinary thing, even though it might be dry, that if we're not about it, they're typically in the church, in the scriptures, is trouble. So much so that this issue is brought up over and over again throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, but especially in the book of Acts. The first practice that's mentioned here is this they were what? They were devoted, or the Greek word that we're holding on to through this series is continually. What did they do all the time? They were under the apostles' teaching. They always were placing themselves under teaching. And you see that throughout this book. If you were to do a search on the word teaching, I wouldn't have guessed this. You know what book has the word teaching more than any other book in all of Scripture? It's Acts. This is what part of the ministry, a critical ministry, a foundational ministry of the church is. The church placed themselves under teaching, so much so that one of the most famous Bible commentators, when he addressed all these things they did continually in Acts 2, this section, they continually devoted themselves to teaching, prayer, breaking of bread. When he follows all of that, you know how much he said about teaching? Nothing. Now, this is a guy who's a famous commentator, but basically he said on the side was this. I'm not going to talk about that here. Read the book of Acts. It happened so much. I don't need to tell you anything about it. That's basically what he says, that this was such a consistent practice that, as a matter of fact, when you get to the book of Acts, you think it would be, and they took the gospel to the entire world. You know what the last sentence of Acts is? Basically, it's this. Paul was unhindered, as he taught them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Teaching from the very beginning here at Pentecost all the way to the other bookend of, of Acts is a critical ministry of the church, of the early life of the church. I wonder how many, by the way, how many? Because it wasn't just the 12. Jesus had hundreds of people following him. And at some days, when you see the feedings, it's not just 5,000, that was 5,000 men. So it was probably 10, 20,000 people that he fed or the feeding of the 4,000. How many of these at Pentecost had met Jesus, had heard him teach? I've heard Jesus, I'm done. No, they were always continually devoted to get me under more Teaching, and you just see it pepper the entire book. It saturates the entire book of Acts. They were consistent learners. Even though they had been under Jesus uh, or under Peter or under Paul, you just see them constantly learning. So, why? Why all this teaching stuff? Four reasons. Two of them are positive, two of them are negative, and you could probably find 10 or 20 more. Because again, this book talks about teaching more than any other book of the Bible. First is this as you watch their response, to the world, to the Jews, and then to the Gentiles, the first reason to be under the apostolic teaching of the church, the apostle teaching, always, we just want to be clear about Jesus. We just want to be clear about who Jesus is. And so I have to be under teaching. One of my children, who shall remain nameless, had to take an American literature course in college. And some of those tests were not coming back well. And I, I don't pry. I don't, I don't look at my, my kids. You can do whatever you want in your family. I don't look up and see what, what they're doing. But it came up in a conversation that they were, they were struggling a bit. And I said, well, are you enjoying the reading? Well, I hadn't read any of the stuff. <laughs> well, hey, maybe... <laughs> Maybe you're struggling a bit. I know cliff notes, spark notes, whatever's the hot thing today. Maybe maybe that's not enough. Maybe you ought to engage the the material. You can tell the early church had been under teaching. You just go back through Acts 2 and listen to the way that Peter, now again, part of it is because he's controlled by and led by the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that. But listen to the depth of what he says in Acts chapter 2. Why can he say those things? Because he's been discipled. Watch the way that Stephen, a layperson, dies. Why can he say the things? Well, because, again, he, as part of the reason he was picked to help with the widows. He was full of the Holy Spirit. But he had been discipled. And I mean paragraph after paragraph after paragraph out of this layperson. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, David, this incredible testimony leading to Jesus Christ to the point where he's so tough about it that they kill him for it, but he was clear about Jesus. Listen to Paul on Mars Hill. You've got, got this deal over here to an unknown God. It's because Paul had gone away for a season. He was already being discipled as a Jew, right? We know about his rabbi. But it also says he went away for a long season. And part, most Bible commentators says part of it was not that he didn't want to do ministry from the get-go. He probably even did ministry while he was away for a season before he started the public ministry we know about. But it was probably, I'm going to get discipled in this new faith. I've met Jesus, but I want to be discipled. It's the same thing. Jesus sitting under Jesus' teaching and being discipled. The reason they can be clear is because they had been under discipleship. That's all in the Apostles' teaching, all these things. Somebody asked you today, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Now, we just heard it beautifully sung for sin, because of his love, because he wanted to bring hope to despair. But what does the apostles' teaching say? I want to be clear about that, the cross. Why, why, Why is Jesus the Messiah, not one of many messiahs? Why is he the way, truth, and the life? Peter, Paul, Stephen, they're all clear about Jesus. And part of it is, it seems to be, as you watch the pattern in Acts, they were under the disciples' teaching. How is it you and I need to tighten up what we believe so that when those opportunities pop up and they usually pop up when we are prepared and equipped people will put people into our lives that we can say let me tell you about why I worship Jesus let me tell you about why I'm a Christ follower they just wanted to be clear about their savior but not only that they wanted to grow we we never stop growing they put themselves under teaching uh, just because they wanted to continually Grow and not only do you see them teaching throughout this book in Acts 5 and Acts 20, you even see them going house to house to do teaching, encouraging people in the faith. But then you go to Acts 15 and Acts 18, and you have two different times where, whether it's Antioch Church or, or Paul or Barnabas later, they just stop for a while. Think about that. Paul and Barnabas, they're the heavyweight tag team wrestling champions, right? they this is the missionary champions of the world don't stop. Well, no, we're going to stop. We want to sit down with you for a long season and we want to build you up. That was, that's Acts 18, 11. You can go look for that. Same thing happens in Acts 15. They stop a missionary moment so that that church in Antioch would be grounded in teaching. Teaching is a first, first things. So if we want to keep growing it's critical for us to continue to place ourselves under teaching, or as the author of Hebrews in chapter 6, 1 says, therefore leave the elementary teaching about the Christ and let us press on toward maturity. We are to never to stop learning. I, uh, I would not have brought this up to you, but somebody brought it up for us, and I'm not pointing at anybody, Chris. I'm just saying somebody brought it up for us. I, I finished my doctorate, a couple of months ago, had that graduation celebration. I wasn't going to tell anybody about that, but somehow there was a picture of that event and it got placed on the screen. And let me tell you why I wouldn't tell you about that. There are several reasons, but one of them is the key reason. When I walked into this room to worship with you all, and that scripture was, that picture was on the screen, congratulations, Reverend Dr. Barry Mail. You know the first thing people said to me? They said it right here, and I think I was right here when the other one said it. What did they say? Not congratulations, Dr. Male. They said, way to go, Dr. Barely. So if you've been with me, my name is Barry Lee Male. I'm Barely Male. And so I barely got a doctorate and I, I got harassed and hazed. That's why I didn't want to let you know. But let me also say this. I partly did that in some ways, I was just tired. I was blessed at our last church where we served. Wonderful church family. Uh, like here, we were finishing up a building program and had just launched a third service. Those last couple of years at that church, it was just constant, constant work. I loved it, poured ourselves into it, saw a lot of fruit from it. Uh, but finishing up there and then coming here, it was just just a tired season, finishing there well. wouldn't say I was in a rut. We all need a push. And part of the reason I did the doctorate was I saw that deficit in my life. I had already read all my favorites, right? I've read them two or three times. I was still reading the Bible, but just in terms of reading, I wasn't pushing along in that. And I said, you know what? I need this. As a matter of fact, a couple of my friends joined me in this doctorate program. We said, we need this. We need a push. You need a push to keep reading, to keep learning. We honor God by how we love Him and how we serve. We honor God by how we love Him and how we worship. But one of the ways that the early church said that, that we grow is by constantly being under teaching what a boring dry subject but when we do it there's nothing dry about it we learn more of our Lord we learn more of his purposes we learn more of his character we learn more of what he wants to do in our lives why they did this they wanted to be clear about Jesus and they wanted to keep growing in Jesus how do you need to hear that word now I will say there's a couple, and I'll do these quickly, there's a couple of defensive reasons why we see as you read the whole book of Acts, why they were devoted to uh, teaching. One, one of them being they just wanted to guard their minds. Proverbs thirteen four says, the teaching of a wise man is a fountain of life to turn aside from the snares of death. They wanted to just keep their minds, they wanted to keep their doctrine pure, um, teaching actually in the Greek that's you can substitute that word for doctrine it's the same word didache or um, so that's really what's going on here Uh, and you already see them in Acts 15 and on they're already fighting bad doctrine and you see it Paul's so worried about it it's almost every epistle he talks about being careful with that when he talks to Titus he says holding firmly to the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that you will be able to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict it. He does it over and over again. I think with Timothy, it's almost 11 times he says in his two uh, uh, epistles to Timothy, be really careful about teaching. When you get to the book of Revelation, the word teaching is mentioned, I think, four times with with the churches, and usually it's not good because there's false teaching out there. We've talked about in our First Peter and Second Peter study. In First Peter, the persecution is coming from outside the church, but already by Second Peter's time, that doctrine has penetrated the church, and they're having to battle with each other in the church. It's already in the church. That quickly, false doctrines were entering the church. I shared this with our Bible study earlier this year, and it's something I'm not very proud about, but I will share it with you. Uh, and sadly, I was a believer by this point. I joked about something last week where I wasn't a believer, but I was a believer by this point. But my sister had gone to, she's six years younger than me, she had gone to her first time ever to babysit. She was babysitting my cousins, so she's maybe 11 years old, Uh, First time ever to babysit, she goes over there, and I get the bright idea. My job as an older brother is to harass my sister. It's part of our job description as older brothers. And so I get the idea from a late 1970s horror movie that I had seen to call and check on my sister. And so following the pattern of that horror movie, uh, by the way, basically what happens in that horror movie is that this girl keeps getting calls from a stranger and he says what I said to my sister and I said it in the exact same voice. I called my sister on her first ever babysitting job all by herself at the age of 11. She picked up the phone and I said, have you checked the children? And then I hung up. I called a few more times and said the same thing. Shame on me. In that horror movie, actually when the police trace the call though, they find out later that the call was coming from inside the house. Now, two things. Number one, yes, I've paid for my sister's therapy bills and I've apologized profusely. Secondly, that's what's happening in 2 Peter. Already, it's coming from inside. We think, I know Jesus, I know his word, I can coast. And Paul says to the church routinely, what you see in the pattern of Acts routinely is to guard your minds. Yes, it can get inside. Be careful. Be careful. Even Apollos, this one who was later in Acts, is mighty in the Scriptures, eloquent in his preaching, mighty in the Scriptures. And what happens? Priscilla and Aquila have to uh, pull him aside, this man and woman, pull him aside and say, listen, you're missing some of this. And he takes it. Eloquent in uh, in preaching, but also this word mighty, uh, this mighty actually means mastered in the Greek. This guy who had mastered the scriptures, yet he can be pulled aside and be told. And this is a guy who's going to end up leading in Corinth and elsewhere. Hey, you need to grow right here. And he takes that word. Um, The apostles were constantly learning because they wanted to guard their minds. Now, I know that many of us struggle. We don't want to read. That's a nice thing. If you get the U version app on your Bible, it'll just read it to you. Just listen to the Bible while you're working out, while you're driving to work. There's some excellent podcasts. We'd love to talk with you about that if you're needing some podcasts to help you and you're thinking on doctrinal uh, issues about thinking about Jesus. But they were persistent. They were always under teaching, partly not just to guide their their minds, and to guard their minds. But here's the last reason. They wanted to stay holy. They understood that whatever you and I believe, good or bad, it hits the streets. It always hits the streets. Doctrine always plays out. And that's what you end up having to see. You got Paul and this beautiful start to the Corinthian church. But then you read the letters of First and Second Corinthians, and because of some different disputes and different doctrines, it's crazy how quickly bad doctrine, bad teaching hits the streets. They didn't just want to guard their minds. They wanted to guard their lives. Theology always produces life, good or bad. And good or bad theology always produces, um, it always hits the streets. Listen, I'll tell you and confess to you, I wanted to skip this. This is a great church on teaching. Just the women's Bible studies we have, the men's Bible studies we have, the small groups we have, the way Renee's resourcing us on Sunday school and the new Kid Talk, the way Corey does his ministry. We've got all kinds of opportunities, and you all are taking advantage of that. But I'm telling you, when you get tired in this kind of season, we can say, well, oh, I just can't read anymore. I just don't want to hear anything else. I get that. But these disciples would say to us, it will guard your mind, your heart, but it will also guard your life. Don't let your life slip. You let teaching slip, you, 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 you might let your life slip. Listen, it's got to be a part of our lives. If we're going to grow in Christ, but also so that you can, I, in an age of justice, Every opinion in a a world of such confusion, you want to talk about an altar to the unknown God, that's the culture in which we live, and yet be able to be clear about Christ. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about why he died and how I know he was raised from the dead. Let me be clear about our Savior. That only happens when you and I place ourselves continually under teaching. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this time in your word Uh, to see that the early church followed the leading and the practice and the example of your son, Jesus Christ, who was the master teacher. He not only healed, he not only redeemed, but he gave his life to teaching and to building up. So we pray your Holy Spirit and and your word uh, would lead us this morning. How is it? To guard our lives, to guard our hearts, how is it so that we can have a right and and, and the best witness we can have? How is it we need to be under your teaching? Just show us those things. Uh, Help us to commit ourselves anew, to do that continually, to not tire in that. We just know the fallout, but Father, we also know the growth and the evangelism that can happen when we're close to you and under you because of your teaching. So bless now our response to this, your word. In the name of Christ, we pray for his glory. Amen.